The following podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, dear listener, to Echoes of Eshetan, a solo play Degenesis podcast that lets the dice rolls tell the story. You'll find the gripping narratives in this apocalyptic setting unfold before your very ears. You'll hear stories of loss and injustice, redemption and hope. A miasma of gloom drifts across the barren wastes while nightmarish beasts roam and terrorize cities and settlements. Only mankind's inexhaustible will to survive offers the faintest glimmer of hope on the horizon. The echoing shades of the bygone peoples lingers on the wind and on the lips of survivors in this hell on earth. What stories will they tell? Before dawn, outside the city of Justician, the southern rubble. Etta triple-checked the contents of her packhorse's leather satchels slung over the side as protector Gregor Kant leaned against the bottom of a water tower ladder. The sheet metal bolted to the rungs further up flexed under his weight, but was rigid enough to thwart desert thieves who would attempt to climb to the top for unauthorized ration access. Protector Kant spit a wad of tobacco on the ground, the saliva instantly coalescing with the grime and dust. He wiped his mouth with the back of a blackened leather glove and stretched his arms above his head, content to lounge about in the soft morning glow. Etta's constant movement made the protector suck through his teeth. Quit your pacing, Etta. You're on time, so what are you worried about? I'm pissed off that I have to wait here for my other charge while daylight is burning. (laughs) Well, get used to it. Justician moves at the speed of bureaucracy he said with a greasy smile. Etta rolled her eyes and shrugged off the comment. Aren't chroniclers supposed to be punctual? Don't they have their days timed down to the second? So the rumors say. I've never had to travel with one before, and I don't envy you. Just remember to sleep with one eye open, else it's liable to suck out your life force to power its internal clock. (laughs) Etta crossed her arms. You keep calling them its protector cunt. Don't you think it's a little detached and disrespectful? They are human, after all. Hardly. Freaks, deviants, and killers barely make the grade. That's why I endorsed penal duties in the cleft, where all those things should wind up. You're sorely lacking in tact, Protector. That's why I'm entrusting the younger generation with big and bright ideas to handle this detachment. Etta turned her attention away from Protector Kant and patted her horse, Peter, on its thick haunches. A flash of orange and yellow raced up the ground towards Etta's feet as the new day began to dawn over the vastness of the dunes. Upon entering the rubble, it is only a half-day's walk until one reaches the mighty Justician. Once upon a time, this region was covered with the shattered cities of the Bygones, looming eerily out of the crater ashes. Now, it's nothing but ruins. Every block of cement has been salvaged, every steel beam melted down, and every shard of glass recycled. For centuries, the peoples of the Black Lung ravaged this area, pulverizing their own history to build new cities from the plundered remains. 
the rubble has only retained its name. After the fall of Exalt, people returned to this area. Judges enforced the recolonization with peasants who were supposed to dig up and plow through this battered strip of soil. The crops grew and so did their families. The peasants are now called providers and the fruits of their labor would make the young city prosper. Now the yellow wheat fields sway against a steel gray sky. Beaten paths lead past fortified farmhouses and stables that sprout from the landscape like weeds. In the distance, cylindrical silos rise into the air, bristling with the eight-legged cross of the battalions. The silos contain poisons and pesticides to protect their harvest from vermin, even at the cost of the provider's own health. Those who come to gestation from Liqua are greeted by a dozen colossal water towers that ascend from the barren plain in the southern areas of the Cross Quarter, whose precious contents ensure Justician's very survival. Some of these cisterns have a diameter of more than 100 paces and rise 30 meters into the air. The broken cross emblazoned on the metal-clad outer holes ensures that every newcomer understands who controls the water supply. Massive concrete pipelines plow through the ground, branching off to finally fan out in small sidearms towards the rubble and downtown. At junctions, pressure gauges and shutoff devices are mounted to seal off individual segments in the event of a leak or impact. Once locked in place, token keys must be inserted to open the valves of this pumping system that were installed by the chroniclers. Etta returned to her pack horse with a small canteen of fresh water from the mammoth tanks and let the animal drink its fill. She tossed the token key back to Kant, who caught it smoothly in one hand and hung it around his neck. The smacking lips of the horse wavered, and Etta turned to see a silent silhouette emerging from around the corner of a water tower as she heard her horse whinny beside her. Etta quickly grabbed the reins of her horse as it reared from being startled. She calmed the beast, patting its chin and rubbing its muzzle. Rays of light reflected off the metal water tower to illuminate the face of Pseudo, the chronicler. Pseudo crossed in front of Etta and handed a wax-sealed envelope to Protector Kant. Kant snatched the envelope and opened it indelicately, tearing it down the side and sliding out the paper from within. If you make a habit of sneaking up on Pietra, we are going to have problems traveling together, Etta warned as her boss read the letter. Pseudo remained silent, not meeting Etta's gaze. Protector Kant removed the moist tobacco from his lower lip and used the remaining wetness on his finger to put a dingy signature at the bottom of the letter. My official seal, he said, grinning at Pseudo, tobacco staining his beard stubble under his lip. Judge Etta, this is Chronicler Pseudo-19. I don't think it talks, but according to this letter, it has enough battery storage on the digipad to type common English for the entirety of the trip. Pseudo carries a vocoder to scare any stray gendos and... Protector Kant paused for a second, squinting his eyes to make sure he was reading the letter correctly. Requires complete privacy when taken in sustenance. Jesus. He continued on. Affirmative is relayed through one radio click. Negative in two. Did I get all that right? There. You see, Etta? You're gonna have a nice, quiet walk all the way to Lucator. <sighs> Wonderful. Etta sighed. Protector Kant stuffed the envelope inside his leather coat pocket and came up shoulder to shoulder with Etta. 
he dropped some of the grit layered in his voice and spoke plainly to his contemporary. Listen, this ain't overnight camping trip anyone wants on their first go outside justician. Heat your training, sleep with one eye open, and remember you're the goddamn law around the protectorate. The Alpine Fortress is where your jurisdiction stops, and even then, be diplomatic around new faces. It's what you sent me to Lucatore for, after all. I might as well get some practice in. Kant reached around the side of his leather holster at his waist and brought up an open palm. Two spiked brass balls the size of small grapes and match papers lay in the center. I got you something for your first rotation out. Forty caliber, thirty grain. A sweet little thing to have for when diplomacy becomes, well, difficult. Etta accepted the gift and clapped Protector Kant on the shoulder. Keep cracking the whip in the cleft. You headed to the ice barrier next month. Sure am. Got a new batch of clanners that tried to siphon water from Liqua in a theft ring. <laughs> we'll be giving them all they can drink once it melts. <laughs> Etta grimaced but nodded her head as he sauntered off back towards the city, leather trench coat flapping in the breeze behind him. Etta then turned to face Sudo, who was staring directly at her. Etta Jungbau, she said, gesturing to herself. She stuck out a hand for Sudo to take, but all Sudo did was stare down at the gloved hand. Etta withdrew it and adjusted her own holster and pistol around her waist. The glint of the polished steel barrel flashed across Sudo's plastic goggles. Well, since you can't or won't talk, I can do nothing but offer advice and provide protection on this detachment. We are to reconnoiter with some spitalians outside Ignatz. They'll resupply us for the remaining short trip to Cathedral City. We've got a ways to go until Ignatz Crossroads, and an additional 30 kilometers until we get within earshot of Anabaptists. If I give an order, you are to follow. I'm sure we've both received our orders from higher-ups, so let's save them a few headaches by listening to each other, and we'll get along famously. Any questions? Good. Then let's get a move on. Etta clicked her tongue for the pack horse Peter to follow, the reins hanging loosely in her practiced hands. Pseudo cocked her head to the side, but shuffled behind, silently. Three sets of tracks made impressions in the sand as the great city of Justitian, bastion of civilization in the Black Lung, shrank further and further behind them. Lancer story. Want to make sure your space elevators arrive on time and free of pirates? Nostradamus Corp. Want to bring order to a frigid wasteland crawling with dangerous outlaws and beasties? Nostradamus Corp. Want to reckon with the consequences of age-old weapons experiments? Nostradamus Corp. Do you want to crawl ceaselessly and eternally to the grip of your weapon systems? for a final desperate barrage before your mech core goes critical. Nostradamus Corp. 
Nostradamus Corp. For a better tomorrow, for a better stellar age, and for your most secure vacation. Nostradamus Corp. Phantom Ice is a Lancer actual play stream that will premiere mid-April on Tuesdays at 6.30pm CST on the Ballad of the Seven Dice YouTube and Twitch channels. Etta has a path marked on a map of the Protectorate, and it is a 45-kilometer haul to get to the Ignat's crossroads. The pack horse helps overland travel, and the duo won't have to expend any of their ego points to push their limits on the fortified roads laid down over the past decades. Now that may not be the case if they need to outpace an approaching sandstorm or trudge through the muck of a Pergaran swamp, but we'll cross that bridge or bog when we come to it. Overland travel mechanics are detailed in artifacts and catharsis rulebooks. I'm calling Peter a gated horse whose max speed is one. Adding 1 to 5 in the Mount Travel Speed formula in the Artifacts book gets you a 6 km an hour travel speed. When you multiply the travel speed by 8 to get the product of travel distance, that's the total distance the mount can travel per day. Travel distance for humans is measured by adding their body skill plus stamina attribute and multiplying by 5. More information on total travel distance for all characters can be found posted later on my website, Echoes of Eshetan. .wordpress.com The North Borkin Desert lay before Sudo and Etta, stretching ever on to some unknown horizon. Signposts dwindled more and more as the road winded, all pointing in the opposite direction the pair were headed. Wind flowed over the tops of grassy plains, and to the west, simple crop fields of the providers could be spotted. Tiny human-shaped dots bent over, sowing and reaping the harvest that provided the food supply to the city further north. The zenith of the sun had come and gone over the course of their day travel, passing the 15-kilometer signpost stuck by a random brick wall and horse-hitching station to the side of the road. Etta still felt fresh, good for another three to four kilometers, and Sudo's presence had faded to the back of her mind as she enjoyed stretching her legs on the fortified road. Her pace was naturally quick to match the stride of Peter, bolstered by her time spent sprinting through the narrow alleys of the Defiler's streets. It had been a few minutes since Etta had spoken to herself out loud to break the silence. Ah, the infrastructure of the judiciary and her allies is really a marvel, don't you think? Etta began as she turned around to see Sudo seated upon the brick hitching post several meters behind. What in the hell does three clicks mean? Hey... You're right. Sudo was bracing herself on the brick wall. She was trying not to show any weakness after keeping up with Etta's quick pace all day, but she had almost hit her physical limit, nearing exhaustion. Etta's going to make an empathy roll to see if she should push Sudo to keep moving before stopping for the day. Now this difficulty gets bumped up since Etta can't see Sudo's face, and the chronicler certainly isn't going to be any help vocalizing her needs at the moment. Difficulty, two successes. Action number, four dice. Etta doubled back with Peter, and as she got closer to Sudo, she could see the heavy rise and fall of Sudo's chest. Slight feedback was creeping from Sudo's vocoder tubes under the mask, and Etta swore it sounded like labored breathing. The sun will be down soon. Let's set up camp here behind the brick wall. I could murder some dried mutton. So, Etta undid the food pack, sleeping bags, and other kit from Peter's saddlebags. In a few minutes, a small campsite was set up. 
Sudo took a seat on top of a folded up blanket and crossed her legs. You hungry? Do you need your privacy? I see. Well, I'll be over behind the cactus for the next hour. No need to use fuel tonight for fire. It was warm breezes all day. <laughs> I wish that life was that simple for me. Just yes and no. Judges have to deal with shades of grey every day. But I'm sure chroniclers have their own struggles. <sighs> have it your way. My first experience out of justition and I get a diatome for a travelling companion. The cactus several meters away had a drab olive color, even in the warm, dusky glow. Etta used a small penknife to cut a strip of the succulent and rubbed the inner flesh across the back of her neck. She closed her eyes as she relished the cooling sensation, and once the flesh was squeezed out completely, she chucked it over her shoulder. She fetched a piece of dried mutton from her food dry bag and stuck a salty piece of the meat in her mouth, eyes focused on the heat waves rising up from further south across the plains. She spied a lone figure off the beaten path perhaps a kilometer away, and it was moving slowly in her direction. The figure was bent slightly at the waist, like the provider she'd seen earlier, but it seemed to be pulling something behind it. Hmm. Scrap-a-hole, she said, as she chomped down on the sinewy dried meat. After a half hour or so, Etta headed back to the camp spot. Suda was in the same position she was in when Etta left, except now she had her digital wrist pad open and typing with one hand. A twig snapped under Etta's boot and Sudo's ears perked up. She swiped it down, hiding the text on her wrist from her traveling companion. Don't worry, I'm not looking over your shoulder. I couldn't even read text that tiny anyway. Sudo uncrossed her legs and stretched out on the blanket, uncoupling her vocoder and pulling her hood up over her head. She hooked her index fingers underneath both sides of her mask and pulled down to unseal it. The darkness of the hood hid her features from Etta. The city judge simply shrugged and stretched out on her own bedroll, propping her feet up on a nearby rock for some additional comfort. All I know is that that scrapper better not wake me up before the sun, or else there'll be hell to pay, she thought, as she pulled her wide-brimmed hat down over her eyes and fell fast asleep. Thanks for listening to this episode of Echoes of Eshetan. I love engaging with my listeners on Twitter at Echoes of Eshetan and via email at echoesofeshetan at gmail.com. So reach out and say hello. I'm also on the new Spotify for Podcasters app. Spotify for Podcasters offers new ways to interact on each episode I release with Q&As and polls that might influence the course of the show. It doesn't matter if you're a podcast creator or a listener, you have a voice in Echoes of Eshetan. So download the Spotify for Podcasters app for iOS and Android today and try it out. If you're interested in helping the show grow, you can leave a rating on your pod fetcher of choice to help others find the show and help me improve it. Or you can share it on your social media platform of choice. Until next time.